Hi, everybody. Welcome to Off the Podium. If you're in Model United Nations, you know that a lot of the time, us delegates are required to refrain from using personal pronouns and maintain professionalism. Well, this podcast is going to be defying all those rules. We'll be keeping you up to date on parliamentary procedure, as well as informing you on current affairs in realms of politics, entertainment, technology, and science with a simple and casual approach. It's never been more important to stay informed, so we hope you'll keep up with us. So let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're all well. Um, Today we have a great episode with um, a few current event explanations um, in store, but I did want to start off the episode today uh, talking a little bit about how you can get, you know, how you can stay involved in um, the world of politics, um, even though we're not able to be super active as an MUN club. Um, I think this year, just obviously the circumstances, I think it's really difficult to have um, some of the meaning, meaningful conversations and um, a lot of the the discourse that we would usually have um, when it's all virtual and it's over Zoom and it's during this weird block of time uh, in the middle of the day when not everyone's available. So I did want to give you some resources to um, help you make sure that you're ready and political, politically charged <laughs> for next year because hopefully everything will be back in person and it'll, you know, go a little bit more smoothly. So to start off, I have some other podcasts that you can listen to if you want to, you know, just stay informed of uh, on what's happening. So the first one is The Daily, which is a, a New York Times podcast. The second one is Throughline, which is basically talking about how history affects what is happening today in the world of politics. And then the third is political gab fest, which is exactly what it sounds like. A gab fest, people kind of, it's just a bunch of political discourse. Um, if you want to be more involved and more in the know of what's happening in the U.S. specifically, um, there is an app called A Starting Point, which is, I think it's great because it's really bipartisan. So you hear directly from uh, members of Congress Uh, and what their views are on certain issues and on every issue you can hear from several democrats and several several republicans so um, i think that's a good sort of like neutral platform if you want to get some good information and then finally um, and maybe the most important um, i have two conferences that you can sign up for two mun conferences they're not through the school but i wanted to give you um, the information on how to register for those so the first one is sd Mun 7, um, which is going to be taking place on February 27th, and it's going to have three committees, um, the Economic and Financial Affairs Council, the UN Development Program, or the UNDP, and the Historical Crisis, um, which is going to be discussing the 1946 Havana Conference. So um, I like these because they're different committees than what you would get with the Plano Y or with our conferences. And so you can register for that at um, socialdistancingmu.wixsite.com. Socialdistancingmu.wixsite.com, yes. And then the second conference is SICMUN3, and that's going to be taking place on February 20th. And since we're high schoolers, the committee that we'll be in is actually Security Council. 
and we're going to be discussing initiatives towards absolute nuclear disarmament. Um, and that you can register for that at delegatesbeyondborders.org. So those are some um, ways to stay involved, conferences to attend if you want to be ready for next year. And now let's get on with the podcast. Here are some of this week's current events. This is the week of January 31st. The incumbent or sitting Russian president Vladimir Putin's current term ends in the year 2024, which marks the end of his two terms. However, a 2020 Russian constitutional reform actually allows Putin the right to run for another two terms if he chooses to do so. Right now, Putin's greatest competitor, Alexei Navalny from the opposition, is speaking out. Navalny first got attention after organizing against the corruption of Putin's Russian government, making him, quote, the man Vladimir Putin fears most, according to the Wall Street Journal. Through his outspoken criticism, the leader of the Russia for the Future Party and founder of the Anti-Corruption Foundation has reached 6 million YouTube subscribers and 2 million-plus Twitter followers. His foundation that I mentioned before, the Anti-Corruption Foundation, has conducted investigations into the corruption of the Russian government. One of these investigations led to the release of a 2021 documentary called A Palace for Putin, in which Navalny accused Putin of buying a huge mansion with $1.35 billion of illegally earned money or illicit funds, resulting in the arrest of Navalny. Russian authorities have arrested the opposition leader several times in hopes to bar him from running in future elections. In August of 2020, Navalny was hospitalized after being poisoned by chemical agents. He was put in a coma and evacuated to Germany. After five months, Navalny returned to his, returned to his home country of Russia and was immediately arrested upon landing. And this is actually around the time when the video exposing Putin's mansion was released, which was met with major social demonstrations. In the negative 60-degree Fahrenheit weather, these protests against Putin turned into episodes of physical violence, and somewhere around 4,000 people were arrested. This seems to be the first real time that there has been any large, outwardly expressed opposition to Putin's regime, and now he's having to answer some tough questions about this so-called palace, especially when the country is in an economic downturn and so many are going hungry. In a video call last week, Putin denied that he owned any of the property in the documentary. As for, as for Navalny, Russia has placed him on the federal wanted list for allegedly avoiding Russian authorities while abroad. His trial in February may have strong repercussions, and it may have him in prison for years to come. Russia has even gone after his family and friends, um, as well as arresting his brother, searching his doctor's home, and as of today, detaining his wife. Navalny's hope is for this to create some kind of large movement. He believes that his supporters are the majority and really believes that the law is on their side. U.S. Secretary of State condemned Russia's response to the protesters against Putin in a tweet this Sunday saying, The U.S. condemns the persistent use of harsh tactics against peaceful protesters and journalists by Russian authorities for a second week straight. 
we renew our call for Russia to release those detained for exercising their human rights, including Alexei Navalny. On Friday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also said that President Biden called on Putin to release Alexei Navalny from jail during their phone call. From a standpoint of looking at the current relationship between the U.S. and Russia, it's also important to note that on Friday, the two countries extended their last remaining nuclear arms control treaty for five more years. This treaty, which would have expired on February 5th, is an agreement between Russia and the U.S. to limit the number of deployed nuclear warheads and ballistic missiles. The previous administration waited until last year to begin talks of extending the 2010 treaty and just never came to a compromise, which is just representative of one of the ways that the Russia-U.S. relationship has been somewhat strained in these past few years. Overall, political analysts and journalists are saying that this new administration has been taking on Putin and Russia more robustly than the last administration. Since the violence erupted over an election result from December, more than 200,000 people have fled the Central African Republic, and nearly half of them have crossed into the Democratic Republic of Congo. The nation is one of Africa's poorest and most unstable countries, despite being rich in resources such as diamonds, uranium, timber, and gold. The country has been struggling to find stability since a 2013 rebellion ousted former President Francois Bozese. The United Nations estimates that nearly half of the population is dependent on humanitarian aid and now the rebel forces control about two-thirds of the country. On December 27th, President Boston Arkanj Todera was declared the winner, and since then, the rebels have been trying to overturn that decision. The Central African Republic Army has been trying to battle these rebels with the help of the United Nations and the Russian and Rwandan troops. Additionally, a state of emergency was declared earlier this month. At least 12,000 peacekeeping forces have um, reached the Central African Republic, and the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, which is also known as the UNHCR, said that about 92,000 refugees have fled to the Democratic Republic of Congo, and more than 13,000 have crossed over to Cameroon, Chad, and the Republic of Congo, and the rest are displaced within the Central African Republic. Additionally, a spokesperson for the UNHCR said that rebel attacks have impeded humanitarian aid to the, uh, to the capital. The former president of the Central African Republic said that there is constant fighting in the nation, which is pushing more and more people to flee. He even called it a, quote, apocalyptic situation. On a statement released on Friday, the International Conference on the Great Lakes Region, which is a regional body of 12 member states, called for a ceasefire and urged the arms group, uh, armed groups to, quote, disengage from the encirclement of Bangui. And they also called for them to allow people and goods to move freely. They also warned that the crisis poses a serious threat to neighboring countries as well. They're also going to ask the United Nations Security Council to lift the arms embargo 
which was imposed on um, the Central African Republic that has restricted the flow of weapons to the army since 2013. Most famous for his role as Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. is now looking to invest in technology to help fight climate change. He told Tech Tent that he is looking to step out of the make-believe world of his Avengers character and instead confront the very real threat to the planet. Robert Downey Jr. is also leading the Footprint Coalition, which is an investment fund that will try to spot the fast-growing green technology businesses. To his 100 million social media fans, he hopes to use his skills to tell a story about climate change and about the technology that can help combat this problem. He says that a key moment driving this passion for helping combat climate change came in the wildfires in Malibu in 2018. The Footprint Coalition Fund has already invested in a numerous, um, in numerous green businesses, including cloud paper. Cloud paper, which has a goal to save a billion trees, makes toilet paper out of bamboo. Additionally, they have also funded in a French insect farming startup that turns real mealworms into fertilizers and other products as well. Similar to his on-screen role, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. says that he had originally thought about focusing on AI and robotics, but now he is looking into areas such as transport, energy, and consumer products. However, there are some real challenges for this mission to help fight climate change. Green technology investment is filled with ideas that start out with good intentions and they look attractive for a while, however, they often end up struggling to make a financial return. There is also the debate over this topic where many politicians and voters are still not convinced that the threat of climate change is real. However, Robert Downey Jr. believes that he can find a way to reach across the divide. With his fund, Downey hopes that first and foremost, people get a well above average return, but he also hopes that some of the businesses that he's backing will produce technology that have a real impact on the world. So that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure to come back next week for another episode and we'll see y'all then. Bye.